Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back. Welcome to the show. It's Action Movie Anatomy and it is Wednesday. We're talking about a film we've been talking about doing on the show for like two or three years. Taylor Sheridan might be the best working writer and now director. His first script produced, Sicario, is coming to you right now. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. Boom! Oh, I missed it. Oh, yeah. I missed it. That's a good one. That's a good one. Have we been gone for a week? It's only, been, it's only been one week. It feels like it's been ages. It's been ages. I'm 30 now. Yeah. I'm old. <laughs> Drew got old in the, in the time we were gone. Things changed. He's the, now the resident gray hair in the room. I am. That's why we had to change movies. A Quiet Place was just too scary for me. Yeah. Couldn't make it through it. He couldn't. He wet his pants. I, my Depends were ruined, yeah. and I had to leave the theater halfway through the movie. What are Depends? Those are, well, when you get to my age, Ben, you'll know that they are adult-made diapers. They fit adults instead of, because babies can't wear, pa- or yeah. adults can't wear pampers. Got it. Cause, okay. Because our bodies are much different than that of an infant. Hmm. We talk action movies on this show. Do we? Uh, <laughs> this is Action Movie Anatomy on the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies, all things movie-related, and pop culture by the bucketful. And this is the show where we talk action movies that adhere to four basic rules. Rule number one, the hero always plays by their own rules. Who is the hero in this movie? This is, is the first one? time I've never worn a collared shirt on the show. That is true, guys. Thanks for the observation. Um, things have changed. In things two weeks. have changed. <laughs> things are old now. He's uh, going through a midlife crisis. <clears throat> he needs to kind of get younger in his image. <laughs> I think the true hero of the film is actually Benicio del Toro, and I think that Emily Blunt is going to be talked about in probably my thesis. Yeah. But I think truly the villain of the film is Brolin. I think the hero is Benicio. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. It's tough because Brolin's like more of an anti-hero. He's not really a villain. Yeah, he's like he's like necessary evil. Sort of so is Benicio. It's an interesting triangle, triumvirate in that sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, rule number two, the movie, the, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people, beings, things, dinosaurs, what have you in the room. Again, the... So in that sense, if you go, it's like Benicio is 100% the smartest person in every yeah. room that he's in. Yep. And I think that Brolin is too. So if that's the hero and the villain, then the right. answer is sort of yes? Yeah, I think so. But it, it is interesting because it's like they are ultimately working towards the same goal. Yep. Uh, rule number three: The movie is driven by a police, military, or political, or mercenary figure. We got that. Yeah, yeah killer. Poli- yeah, police. She's yeah. She's uh, she's police. They're all police. Yeah, it's totally cool. <laughs> rule number four: The movie contains a minimum of one explosion. Yeah. There's a there's a gnarly explosion in this one. Yeah, a couple actually. But yeah. the movie it opens with a pretty savage one. This movie's really intense. This movie is very very good. And I one of the weirdest things about this movie is I don't know why. My expectations were so high going into it the first time. Yeah. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. I didn't know who Sheridan was. I loved Emily Blunt, but like... Even Villeneuve was... Even Villeneuve, yeah, exactly. Pretty unknown quantity at this point. And especially for this type of film, but for some reason, I remember being pretty underwhelmed. Yeah. Maybe it was because I'd talked to so many people, and they were so crazy about it. I remember um, seeing the trailers, and they looked cool, but like, we, well, again, it's, it's, it's different, you know. But uh, anyway, guys, there's a lot of things going on here. We are going to talk about that. We are going to talk about the top... Five directors working under the age of 60. We're going to be talking about is Benicio del Toro oversieged, undersieged, or properly sieged? Mm. And we're going to be answering some fun AMA fan questions. If you guys want to follow along in the conversation, you can find either of us. You can find me personally. I'm going to go here at Ben Bateman Media. Uh, you can find me at Andrew Guy on Instagram and Twitter. You can find the podcast on Twitter at AMA Podcast. Mm. And on Facebook, we've got the Action Movie Anatomy fan page and the Action Army fan page. The first one is... Uh, 
throw my pen. The first one is dedicated basically hmm. to the show. Yeah. And the second one is dedicated to our Schmodown personalities as well as the show. And finally, we have... A Patreon, which we do extra content on every single week. It's the uh, the Team Action Patreon. And what we do is we go and set up a big banner. It's the size of a whole wall. It's got Nicolas Cage's face on it. And then we spend about 10 to 15 minutes shooting extra content in front of it, talking about cool stuff. So we saw Love, Simon. We loved yes. that movie. We are doing a little mini AMA on Love, Simon we're going to be posting. You guys are going to see that probably later today. Yeah, and um, if you guys care enough or if you guys want it enough, we were going to cover A Quiet Place on this show, but we're not going to. We could maybe even do a mini AMA on that. So let us know if you really are dying to see it and maybe you'll get it. Yeah, on the Patreon, if you donate a buck a month, you get uh, four extra videos per month. So it's just me and Drew doing Ben and Drew stuff, but it's not all action-related. It's some schmodown, it's some drama, it's some trailer reactions. We just react to the MI6 trailer over and over and over. We just keep posting that video. That's, I mean, I saw uh, <laughs> the newer cut of it in the theater. They only add like a couple little yeah. quick... It's not much... To, it looks so good. I am so amped. Yeah, so, so amped. amped. Uh, so speaking of the trailer, yeah. I think I like the trailer too. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's let's jump into it. Cool. State Department is pulling an agent that specializes in responding to escalated cartel activity. This is not my department. She has a pretty good American accent. It's pretty convincing, actually. Very. Yeah. yeah. FBI. I I love that. I am completely so in love much. with Emily Blunt, especially after watching Quiet Place and this in the same like three eight, or well, thirty six hours. The men responsible for today. Men who are really responsible for today. And Brolin is perfect in this. Yeah. Everyone is. You're not American. What do you work for now? Well, I go where I'm sent. Welcome to Juarez. Honestly, I'm pretty excited for the sequel. (laughs) I am too. It looks looks really good. killed with his blessing. First, I didn't like that she wasn't in it. Right, but I'm actually okay with it now. Yeah, after watching it again and seeing the end, yeah, it makes more sense. Makes sense to your American ears. But in the end, you will understand. Spotter vehicle left lane. Spotter vehicle nine o'clock. Hit weapon out. That scene that is amazing. So they show it in the trailer. The fact that they show. I mean, this has got to be a post. Maybe. I'm not a soldier. This is not what I do. Why is this what happens when they dig in? This is it. Gotta be careful on these people. See, David Oyelowo. <laughs> Shit. I don't want to know what I'm getting into. They will not survive here. Yeah. It's really it's sweet. sweet. It's intense. Yeah. Good cop. Good trailer. I saw things you shouldn't have seen. I guess Brolin probably is still going to win an Oscar. It seems like. I think he'll win one. Imagine if he won one for Thanos. How sick that would be. 
crazy that he still has it, though. I know. Feels like he's been A-list and high-profile for, like, ten-plus years now. Like, Yeah, I mean, he kills it in Milk. Every, he's killed uh, it in everything. He kills he's... it in No Country. Like, I mean, but these are the ones that he actually got Oscar attention for. Yeah, those Milk, roles. he got an Oscar nom. Yeah. I don't think he did for No Country, but, like, over the years, he's just been in a lot of good movies. He just keeps being put in big projects. And he's just, he's just always good. Always. He doesn't take... He doesn't pick... Eh, there's probably a bad one in there somewhere that I don't know of, but La- for the most part, he doesn't. Labor Day is not my favorite. Yeah, Labor Day. <laughs> right. That's a good one. He's got a couple bad ones. But uh, that's the trailer for Sicario. Very so, good trailer. Uh, before we fully break break down thesis statement, which we're going to be getting into in just one second, I do want to ask a, a quick favor of you guys who are listening and watching. So, we have this Facebook fan page. I can't pay my rent. No. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the Facebook fan page gets a couple people, three, four people a day. Every day. It's got a couple of you guys started this thing like six months ago. And it's got like 1,400 people in it now, which is pretty awesome. It's like great interaction. But here's what I'm wondering is when I post something in the group, it feels like we'll get somewhere between like 20 and 50 pieces of interaction. Right. But with 1,400 people that are constantly getting added, I'm wondering if it's is it all fake people? Is it all bots? I don't get it. I, I want to know. Man, me and my mother have been going around creating <laughs> Facebook and Gmail accounts. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so guys, so what, what are you asking? So what, I would like, if you're watching or listening to this, go in, go in, the first person who hears this, and make a post that says, hey, if you're an actual fan of Action Movie Anatomy and you watch the show, comment and like. Yeah. And just let's just see if we can get a thread going with a few hundred pieces of interaction because like yeah and, and tell us how you how you watch tell us whether you watch it live you catch it a week later do you listen? iTunes exactly yeah because yeah, I I'm totally ba- I'm like baffled by it I like don't really know how to this is the Action Movie Anatomy Census of 2018. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, we're going to get into thesis statement. Uh, thesis statement is that part of the show where we make a bold statement about the film. A thought you have derived from the Immediately movie. Immediately someone said, I will never have a Facebook. So, anyway. <laughs> it, it makes a lot of point sense, too. Solid. Uh, you you, uh, you make your bold... Your bold uh, you, you I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You messed me up. Right, let's start it over here. You uh, in the chat. You did it. Here we go. Uh, and then So, let's get into our next segment, Ben. Yeah. What is that? It's thesis statement. So, thesis statement is kind of your boldest, biggest thought about the film. It's, it's, your, it's the thing that you would stand up at a party on a soapbox and say, you know what? I'm going to hold court about Sicario. This is the thing about that movie. And I'll tell you what it is for me. Emily Blunt is the best working female action star alive. And this movie, I know, it's a big one. It puts her up against Charlize, who is insane. Mm-hmm. Puts her up against a lot of people. There's a lot of there's a lot of women who are coming up doing great work. Gal Gadot now. But Emily Blunt to me is the best for a reason. And it's because she is able to play action and tough, but she's also able to play this like incredibly vulnerable and this innocence that makes her when she gets tough so much more satisfying like edge of tomorrow is her best in my opinion Mm -hmm. like just through and through but even like even like quiet place which is not really an action movie but it's a movie where she has to hold a shotgun and she has to be tough and she's just so believable as a yeah she's just the best i mean honestly i i like emily blunt in action roles more than anyone else working today i think she if she if she can actively take that role on and do that for the next five years, I think she is locked and loaded as the absolute premier action star. And this movie just reminded me of it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that you can take her and throw her in anything. I think she's that talented. And I think action and horror is where she might really excel. Because after watching Quiet Place, you realize that a lot of the things that you that make you a great action star will make you a great horror star, too. And that's yeah. emitting or emoting, I should say, through action yeah. and facial expression a lot more than it is just like having these incredible words to spout which yep. edge of tomorrow is a bit of an exception yeah um 
So this is tough. I have like four thesis statements, so I'm just going to rail through the first two really quickly. Roger Deakins is probably the greatest cinematographer alive right now, period. Taylor uh, Sheridan is the greatest living writer of our generation, period. Those are my two just like bold thoughts. Yeah, he's pretty amazing. our generation. That's what I'm saying is because this guy's literally, this is his first movie in 2015, so that means he's... He's yeah. a baby. He's, he's yeah. The, he's, he's he's not even like our generation. Like our generation. Like he's like the next generation. He's yeah, like exactly. to like Fuck, to like fourteen year old kids who are like entering high school and watching awesome movies. He's their guy. He's like the. I think when you say our generation, it puts him up against like Sorkin, which is like an unfair comparison. Yeah, well, it's tough because like Sheridan's probably much closer to our age than Sorkin is. Oh yeah, you know that's what I mean. Yeah, like our our birth generation, not get, our movie watching generation. I guess when a few good men hit theaters, we were four years old. So yeah. like that does way out of mean Sorkin's not our generation. Whereas like when we were twenty five or twenty seven yeah. is when Sicario hit theaters. Yeah, which is much different. Yeah, um, but yeah, I do feel like he's a little behind us. So. <laughs> this movie does not need a sequel. No. This is like this movie should, ne- should have never had one. That's another one that I have, but yeah. I, I'm happy it does. Yeah. But I think what my actual thesis is is that this is the greatest use of a protagonist yeah. to push a story forward without ever having a story arc, which is something that you talked about with me, and she kind of does. Yeah. But it's the it's I also think it's the greatest use of a, a protagonist. To put the audience directly in the movie. Yeah, right. You are her. Which you, is, we are her. Yeah. 100%. Which is a really interesting point about this movie that I didn't realize the first time I watched it. I think the first time I watched it, I walked away from the movie sort of feeling a bit like, huh, what an anticlimactic story. What like a, what an out of, out of order, sort of strange story to tell. You don't even realize Benicio is the guy you're really supposed to be following until the end of the movie. Right. And then when you watch it again, you're like, yeah, that's because the action that you think you're following isn't the action. Yeah, and you realize at the end of it, she has no idea what she doesn't know where he goes. The she's action, never going to see that. She's literally watching a movie. She is us. Yeah. She is just put in her seat, and you see it the first time she goes to Juarez, the first time they cross the border. Like, yeah. she's just sitting in her seat, like reacting to things that she has no control over. Yeah. So, I'll, I'll clear it up, and I'll say that this is the greatest use of a protagonist to put the audience directly into a film. Yeah. Because. Again, like you said, she she has no control. She doesn't play by her own rules. She doesn't know what she's doing. She's not the smartest person in the room. Yeah. And the two times that she actually does kill somebody are both her getting caught off guard and just reacting quicker. Right. So she is a, a soldier, for totally. sure. Yeah. And that's what they say. But it's not because she's like... Benicio would never be caught in those two positions. You know no. what I'm saying? No, never. Yeah, she... Uh, She's great in this movie, and she's great at being, like we said, sort of a, a a relatable action star. I mean, again, I think that's another part of the the action star genre, sort of that we in the in the '80s and the '90s that they made that transition from like Schwarzenegger to like John McClane, where it was right. like real guy. This is this is somebody you're supposed to be able to relate to. He's not supposed to be. 250 and 64 and just jacked out of his mind. He's supposed to like be a cop and he's a little bit superhero-y, but that's why those characters in the 90s became so relatable. And you look at her and you're like, yeah, she is an action star. She's quick on the trigger, she's capable, she's a badass. She's yeah. like willing to sock rolling in the face. Like she's like a badass. She takes bullets to the chest. Yeah, but you like, look at her and you're like, I would be, I would be you in this situation. Right. If I could pick anyone in that entire movie who I would be, yeah. it'd be Benicio. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would be Emily Blunt. How blunt uh, Benicio has all the coolest lines. Oh, he has all the sweet, even from the very beginning, and, yeah. then, and then like the welcome to what is. Yeah. Like even the way they cut it and show the city, it's just like he's made to be a badass. So there's two theses, these size, yeah, and they're made by two of our regulars, Great. our biggest fans, but they're they're excellent. So I want to throw them in there. Um, Keys 
said that this is the best shot crime thriller ever. It's so beautiful. And, and I, I might agree. It I is was, incredibly beautiful. And honestly, this might also be one of those things that thesis could be like, this is the greatest use of drones early on. I was Yeah, I was going to say, I meant to look into that. It, it is 100% drones. It has to it be. It looks like, I mean, there's so many of those big, sweeping landscape shots. Yeah, which right? is like, back in the day, they'd have to rent a helicopter every single time to do that. Yeah. And they show different angles of them driving through the city. It's like, it has to be drones. That's the be. only way. Uh, and then the other one uh, is actually from Arena. And it, it goes with exactly what we were just talking about. This is one of the best examples of the smoothest change of the main character ever in film. Yeah. It's kind of remarkable. It, like, again, it took me a second viewing a year later or whatever to actually recognize that. It, it's not her story. It's no. No, it's really not. But it's also funny because they spend so much time developing her as a character. I think that's ultimately the most dissatisfying part of the movie for me is that mm. when you start to realize that it is Benicio's story, you only get, like, three scenes with him where you know anything about him and you don't need to know that much you know he has the scene with her where he's like you remind me of somebody who's very dear to me he says later you remind me of my daughter yep. and then you find out what happened to his family and it's like you know you get a little bit of his background but like that's about all you get so mm -hmm. it's he's a tough character to feel like you've just watched his story <clears throat> yeah it's interesting you wonder if like a flashback is too lazy to yeah. like show what happened to his family but you do wonder if they took a little bit of the time they spent in building up Blunt and making you feel like her. Yeah. If they would have focused a little bit more on Benicio if he would have just been a little bit more to latch onto. Yeah. But I think that I think that he's just badass enough that we're like, yeah, well, I'll go see the second one. Sheridan you know? really likes to write. He really likes to write quietly confident badass dudes. He's, yes. That's like a thing he does. Because like Renner and, and Wind River is a very similar character. Yeah. He just doesn't say that much. He's he's a more vulnerable character, which I liked about Renner, Renner and Wind River a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets to have a couple moments where he like breaks. But like Benicio is just like all all stoic. So yeah, I uh, I, I love Benicio in this movie. But all right, those are great. Those are great thesi. They sorry, um, I have four today. What's up? I had four today. I'm sorry. Fourth, Eastside? Yeah. yeah. So we're going to get into the next part of the show, and that is fist pump moment. This is that moment something happens in the movie, and you're just like, are you seeing this right now? This is so sick. Yeah. Uh, you can track our thesis statements in a lot of cases to when we either call or text each other during yeah. the time we're watching a movie. <laughs> yeah. That's like, it used to be like a little bit more like celebrated and bigger, but we've done 150 of these now. So like, if you get the text from me, it's probably at the moment that I'm like, this movie's great. Yeah, I know. When you got the text this morning, I was like, he's watching it right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was like, whatever, whatever it was, like 7 in the morning or something. Um, but uh, yeah, it, there, that's, that's thesis, or a fist bump moment. So we're going to share our fist bump moments on this movie. And I imagine some of you guys in the chat will share yours as well. You probably have similar ones to the ones we have. I think, can we collectively just start with the coolest scene in the movie? There's like 15 I wrote down, but yes. So I think that the, the scene when they're crossing back over the border on the highway okay. has to be, the that's got to be the most consistent fist pump. Because yes. it's like, the whole situation is so crazy. I'll tell you what it does, though. It illustrates to me just how perfect, like, the difference between Wind River Hell or High Water and Sicario, the three Sheridan scripts, three different directors. The is modern, the, what do they call it? The modern Western? Something. Something like that. Yeah, I, the, I can't remember. Yeah, I can't the Dark Americas or yeah, something. Yeah. Um, is that Denis Villeneuve understands how to shoot action in a way that the other the other two directors, it's like, it's it's literally like varsity and like you just came out of the womb. Like he's... Do you feel that way with Wind River really though? Because remember the Elizabeth Olsen? I love the shootout. I think it's a great scene. Like I think some of those moments are fantastic. However, the shootout at the end does leave you wanting. Yeah, and, I, we, and we talked about it right when we I love out. Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah, she has that yeah. one great moment yeah, in the hallway. Yeah. Is this like the tension of this scene? There's, the execution. There's there's so many times throughout this, or not so many times, but there's there's numerous scenes throughout this movie where 
you know that shit's about to go down, and that's what you want to feel in an action movie. You're kind of like, yeah. oh, man, this is coming, right? Yeah. And then also you're like, oh, I hope something is going to happen. And he always delivers. Because like, if they get to the bridge scene and just cross into Juarez, you're like, what? why am I watching this movie yeah, right. back in the States? Then you'd be watching Zodiac. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know like all these things. It, and I kept finding myself, because I didn't remember this movie super well, I was like, Something else has to happen, right? Yeah, right. And then it does. You're like, yes, every time. Well, so the, I do agree with that. That scene is so unbelievable. Like, she's so out of realm and she's so freaked out. You have that one, the, the shit weasel with the glasses, and he's totally just like, just a weirdo, you know? He's just like, so super detached, has like no concept of like what's appropriate to say. And Benicio's just quietly just sitting there, just like, I've done this before. Right. Brolin's just a cowboy. The yeah. whole situation leading up to that scene where they're in the meeting and, and, and he's like, You sober? And he's like, We'll be by the time we get there. And he's like, I got a bottle of Johnny Walker in case your hands get shaky. They're just such cowboys and they get in the situation and it's just like, Oh my God, it's so cool with like the car on the left, the second car. So, what's your actual, so of that scene, what's your fist pump? I think it's when she sees the guy, the Behind cop, her? and she shoots him, and then she's like, fuck! Right. She has her moment. Yeah, that, her reaction, where she's like, what is going on? Her, her reaction to shooting him is probably my fist pump moment. Right. I mean, the two taking out the two groups is pretty amazing, too, yep. because it's yep. like the tactical precision by this team that's just like, if they move a muscle, they're all dead, and it's going to take a second. Yeah. No hesitation. So I have, I so that is definitely awesome. I think that was one of the ones in the chat, too. Yeah. My two in that are... When Benicio's just sitting there, he goes, take your service weapon out. Yeah. You're just like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yes, it's going down. And then my other one is at the end of it. Yeah. And they cut to who? Roland, sitting in the front seat, chewing on his gun. Yeah. Or gum. Didn't even, I I wish his seatbelt was still buckled, but it would have been too much. Didn't even move. Yeah. Didn't even flinch. Didn't even go for his gun. I just love that he's like that much of a fuck that he's like... Well, I'm just gonna wait this out. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's pretty excellent in this movie. He, he's the perfect cast. Yeah. He's the best cast person in this movie. in the movie. He's yeah. yeah, he's like flawless. He's such an asshole, and you just and but, you and you but you get it. Yeah, right. Like, totally. Him being an asshole, you're just like I understand you, but I hate you. When she first sees him with the with the sandals with the flip flops <laughs> in the <laughs> yeah. meeting, it's just like. Yeah. Or on the plane when she's like, I thought we were going to El Paso. And he's already sleeping. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta learn to sleep on planes. You know, actually, he his, uh, my favorite line is from him, and I'll save it for later. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, for okay. sure. Okay, so then, so what you were, what you were saying is that you, you think the collective greatest moment of that, of the movie is that. I just think it's the, I just think it's that whole shootout. Do you have an actual fist pump of the movie that's different? Or is it the fist bump just the shootout? Because I have I have a real fist bump that's different. I'll give you my fist bump that I was going to use as my line because I have so many favorite lines. Okay. Um, it's when they first it's it's when Daniel Kaluuya is standing there in the car and they're walking up and Brolin's such an asshole to him and he asks a question and Kaluuya answers and, and or she uh, it's whatever Brolin answers Kaluuya's like what's going on Brolin answers and he's like I didn't ask you and he's like yet he's like and yet I answered and yeah. he just walks past <laughs> and yet him I answered. yeah yep. I yep. think that's my fist bump because I was just like you're such. A prick, and I love it. Yeah, it's he's just... the ultimate prick. Yeah. So, <laughs> got a few, of course. So one of them is when uh, he's like about to torch the dude, and he's like, "Oh no, Ablo and Glace." He's like, "I got an old buddy that I bet you'll Ablo too." And then it just cuts to Benicio wearing a white suit, getting a drink of water. Yeah. And you're just like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. And then he's like randomly talking to the dude about life and how things have changed, and yeah. he just picks up the five gallon jug and walks away. Yeah. And you're like, "Ugh, so good, so subtle, but." My actual moment, and it's—I know it's fucked up. It's the end. Yeah, I was just going to ask you if you think it's too intense. I think that, and I, and I was trying to find a way to put this into a thesis because I needed more. 
Um, I couldn't figure out, because I think on Wind River, I said Taylor Sheridan, the, Wind River is the greatest use of subtlety by a writer ever. Yeah. Um, the scene in Wind River, the gnarly scene, yeah, and the scene in this movie, the gnarly scene, he has this incredible way to make you, it's like justified. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like sure. when you watch the scene in the trailer in Wind River, you're like, oh man, here it comes. Right. This is the scene we've all been waiting for. And it's, it's better than we all thought it was going to be. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Right. And at the end of this movie, which you guys are watching the show, so you know, he executes two young boys and an unarmed woman yeah. that is all civilians yep. around this man to prove a point. And for some reason, man, I just... It's yeah. so good. It's so powerful. And I think it's because every scene that you see with Benicio in throughout the movie, like you said, you don't really get a lot of his backstory, but you just see in his eyes, there's just like, yeah. he's always thinking about something else. Right. And for some reason, this moment is just, I just I, I just couldn't believe it. I know. It's crazy because you, you sit there wondering. I couldn't remember if he did it or not I when I was watching yeah, it again. Same. I was like, I'm pretty positive he He does. kills them all. Yeah. yeah. It's Well, the, that's the thing about this movie. And I think in some ways, one of the reasons that this movie came and went a little bit for a lot of people is that I think it's trying to illustrate something. I mean, that's Sheridan writes from – he writes from what he knows. So he does a lot of research and then he writes based on – like that's, that's right. what all three stories are about. Um and this movie is based on the drug trade. It's it's based on the actual the United States government trying to deal with uh, dr- the drug problem and the savage and brutal cartels. That's like, and it's true to some degree. The way this is all based on the real shit, not the actual story, but the way that it's handled. Right. But also the brutality of the story, I think, is just like he would have to kill the family because they would kill his. Yeah. And they have killed his, and they would, and like, and they're and like. It's like they're complicit because they're part of it. That's just the way you do business in this game. And the fact that, like, it sounds like Benicio's pretty much works for the Medellin cartel. Yeah. You know? So he's like a rival gang member. That's what they would do. Right. And the fact that he just shoots them is like, that's the semblance of him that shows the humanity. Yeah, right. That's the symp- That's totally. That's the sympathetic part. Yeah, that's the empathy because, like, he, he did like dump torturing them. his kids and raping and de- beheading his wife and, in yeah, front of him. Right. And yeah. like, dumping him in a vat of acid. Yeah. Like they oh, did to his God. Daughter. So, yeah, so that for me, and like, how, could you imagine being a writer and being like, this is the scene where I'm going to kill a family in front of a man and not kill the bad guy. Yeah. And you're going to love it. And you're, and then like. And then he says, yeah, and then he says, finish your meal. Finish but your he meal. doesn't actually let him. He just says no, it. Just, yeah. Yeah, that, that scene's insane. That yeah. scene's absolutely time, it's, insane. When, uh, it's time to meet God and then he kills his family. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> Gut punch. Yeah. Gut punch. Yeah, for completely forgotten that actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's and, why when you were watching the very end of it today, I was just like, I just don't want to talk yeah. at all. I mean, that's the thing. Is like, so if you ask the, if you ask the question, is it too brutal? I I don't know. I, I'm putting myself solidly at fifty fifty. Really, I don't lean fifty one percent that it's justified because it's awesome of a payoff as it is. <laughs> right, you just it's also two innocent children. It's like a- unsettling to watch. It's like wow, like that's. And I, I actually think that that's the biggest reason that this movie came alive for people is I think really? that I think it was just but too, you and I both didn't even remember that it, if it did or didn't happen. Yeah, but I think in some ways when something like that happens in a movie, you walk away from feeling a little bit like that was a little unnecessary. I'm, I'm you don't, you don't the see head. them get shot. Right. You just hear it. And you see them laying on the ground afterwards. You do see so, them laying on the ground. Which is intense. Yeah. Because th- he wants to clarify to the audience. Because yeah. a lot of people be like, no way. Yeah, right. No way. Yeah. You know. No way, bro. No way, no way bro. He just shot near them. Yeah. <laughs> um... All right, that's a great. You know what? That's great. Everyone that's in the chat, there's you know there's a handful of you guys right now. <clears throat> if you if you're paying attention, and if you care, justified or not justified? Hashtag justified. Hashtag not. 
something, whatever it needs to be. I want to see it fill. I just want to know. I just want to know what the hell you guys think. Maybe, yeah. I'm, maybe I'm crazy. Yeah. So let's get into the next part of the show. We are going to do star profiles, talk about where these actors were in their careers when they did it. We chose to focus on three today because there's three stars of the movie, truly. Yeah. And if you didn't focus on one of them, I think it would feel like a miss. I, I, I put in Brolin last minute. I, I'm, I'm sure you saw that. Yeah. And it was because after watching it again, you're just like, how do you not talk about it? Yeah. So we'll, we'll do it a little quickly because we don't want to you know mm-hmm. belabor the point too much. But uh, Emily Blunt had done Into the Woods 2014 on Edge of Tomorrow 2014, which obviously we're huge fans of, and Looper in 2012. Now, prior to Looper, she really wasn't doing she really wasn't doing any kind of action roles, but she holds a shotgun well in Looper, just like she does in Quiet Place. She's great in Armor and Edge of Tomorrow. She's terrific in this. I mean, she's really started to to fill that to fill that role. Into the woods. Yeah, is that a song from the movie? That's that's the main song. Uh, Benicio, on the other hand, uh, (laughs) had kind of fallen from. The limelight. He did. <laughs> Escobar. <laughs> ben and I watched the first forty minutes of uh, of Les Mis the other night, and it was magical. If I could have only bought the first forty minutes, I would have, but I couldn't. So I, I was like to totally into it. I was like, "Are we just gonna? Can we finish it?" And you're like, "No, no, we're done. We're done." After I dreamed a dream, we're done. All and the best. We, and then we fast forwarded to I dreamed a dream. One day more. Oh yeah, yeah, I dreamed a dream is early on. One day yeah. more is it's like towards the middle. A lot of Jameson. Yeah. Uh, all right. So anyway, Benicio had done Escobar, Paradise Lost in 2014, Inherent Vice in 2014, and A Perfect Day in 2015. Um, I only saw Inherent Vice out of those three, and I I very vaguely remember that movie. I still haven't watched it so much so that I didn't even remember that Josh Brolin also had was in Inherent Vice yeah. in 2014. He also did Sin City: A Dame to Kill for in 2014, and I put in Avengers: Age of Ultron in 20. 15, even though he's uncredited as Thanos, just because that's something to talk about. Yep. So, all right, let's talk about these so three sweet. I, I had to pull the cable it's picture. Great. Yeah. So, Blunt's career at that point, you know, this is, there's a clear through line of what she's doing here. This moment in Benicio's career, in my opinion, this is the, like, on the comeback trail Benicio moment. Unless I'm forgetting something that happens in, like, 2010, 11, 12. I think this is the I'm working out at the gym, but no one's paying attention moment. Yeah, because now, so obviously Star Wars was a big one for him. <laughs> yeah. And, no, he, you know, and this character in Sicario was, was a really well-liked character, which is why he's getting a sequel that he's basically starring in now. Oh, um, so interesting. I, so, keep going. And so, he uh, he's sort of having, he's in something else. Guardians. Oh, yeah, Guardians as well. So And that's 2014. So that's the same, yeah. So this is like this is his comeback trail, like starting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting, like he's been doing those Heineken commercials now for a couple of years. He's just back in the limelight. Yeah. This is an interesting thing that, and we're going to talk about Benicio del Toro over overly sieged, underly sieged, properly sieged in a few minutes here. So I'll save it before I just go fully into it. Right. But that part of his career is fascinating because people don't remember this, but he won the Oscar in 2000 for best supporting actor for Traffic, mm-hmm. very early in his career. I mean, we're we're going on 20 years pretty soon. So, whole different phase of his career now. Um, last but not least, you have Brolin, and yes, someone said The Hunted is sweet. It's the best movie he's ever done, <laughs> actually. Uh, and Brolin, as as we as we said, you can't really look at Brolin's last 10 years and in any way say anything other than like he's just been solid for 10 years. Yeah. Even like I saw I saw Only the Brave recently. Oh yeah, it was good. He said it was great. really good. He's really good in it. I'm sure he is. Cable. He's going to be in Infinity War. I mean, the yeah. guy is just and, and an absolute beast. What we've heard, it sounds like him on set in, in Infinity Wars is just insane. Um, something that's really interesting in it. Yeah, we got plenty of time. Um, so Stephen Lemieux, who is the executive producer and creator, co-creator of this show. Yep. Um, walk in and I'm like, hey, Stephen, have you seen Sakari? He's like, uh, the one with the... Uh, 
so the one with the guy from Star Wars? And I was like, guy from Star Wars? He's like, yeah. Uh, the, 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 I was like, Benicio Del Toro? He's yeah. like, yeah, the guy from Star Wars. Yeah. What the fuck is his career-defining role? Benicio? Yeah. Because for the longest time, I used to say it was traffic. It was just traffic because that, that was, was the movie. What and that was what he'd for. been known for. But then he does Guardians, and now he does Star Wars. Now he does Sicario, and he's also the Heineken man. And, like, I don't think he has a career-defining role. I think I think if you even if you said traffic, I think we're so far removed now that, like, most people you talk to... I think it's going to be the the wolf. I think it's going to be this character by the end of it. You by think the so? End, when all's said and done with, with Del Toro, the fact that he is such a chameleon... Yeah. The, if if this movie, the Sicario sequel, does well, which I think it's going to, honestly. Oh, I, and Snatch. Yeah, Snatch is another huge one that I loved him in. Yeah. I think that... And he uh, dies in like 30 minutes in that movie. I think that the, that the Sicario sequel is going to do well. I'm pretty sure it's going to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It just like seems like it. It'll make more money than the first one, I think. Yeah. I mean, people are hyped on it, it seems like. The trailers are doing really well, and that's going to mean they're going to make a third one. And he's going to have been in a trio of films playing this character. And it's gonna. I think the second one's already gonna feel a little bit more just like an action movie, like right. a little less of a drama. And it makes sense because it's gonna be directed by somebody who's not like a preeminent genius. Uh, and then I think they'll make a third one that'll probably suck, <laughs> and he'll play the character three times. And maybe at that point, you're right. This character will become his career defining role. So, what do you think? Is Benicio del Toro over sieged, under siege, or properly sieged? <sighs> That's an incredibly difficult one to answer. Let's everyone in the chat, too. Hashtag over-sieged, under-sieged, properly-sieged. Yeah. What were you going to say? First, I was going to ask Marissa, because she's up in the booth. Yeah. Marissa Serafini. How are you doing today? Gentlemen. Do you think that Benicio del Toro is overly-sieged, under-sieged, or properly-sieged? I think he's properly-sieged because the movies that people do remember him for, he was properly recognized you know, by the Academy, mm. just for the acting and the character roles and stuff. But... He's not consistent. I mean, we saw him 20 years ago at the peak of his career, and we're seeing him again now. I don't think he's consistent as an actor Hmm. in his roles that he plays throughout. But when he has characters that hit, they hit, and then characters that don't. I think that's actually a really, really great opinion. I think think that's 100% correct. Yeah, I'm just going to agree with you. I I was going to go in one direction or the other, but like... If I call him under under sieged, I think that's incorrect because I yeah, think he wouldn't have won an Oscar. He wouldn't have gotten the Wolf Man. He wouldn't be able to be a belligerent alcoholic on set for half a decade. Yeah, and I think if you call him overrated, I think it discredits how fantastic of an actor he is because he's sure. really good when he's good. And if you say he's underrated, it doesn't even fit because he's also we just said Guardian, Star yeah. Wars, and he's got his own sequel for a movie that didn't require one. So, so much so that Denis Villeneuve and Taylor Sheridan both wanted to come back for it, but then Denis had to bow out. God, it almost makes me think that he's under sage at this point. Now, now that we talk about it a little more, it's almost like, how do you actually have the career that he's had and be as kind of irrelevant as a movie star as he is? He's like kind of an irrelevant movie star, but he's like won an Oscar. He's in Star Wars, Guardians. But don't you think that's because in the middle of his run, like she said, he went inconsistent and he went lazy? Yeah, he did get really lazy. He got he, really fucking lazy, man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would love to see. Marissa, would you mind doing me a quick favor? And while we're talking about this, would you mind pulling up his IMDb and showing me like 2001 to 2010? Because like post-traffic, post like Snatch and well, Usual Suspects 21 and Grams that. is great. So he's in 21 Grams. That's like that's like, good. that's like around 2002 probably. So what about like, so 2002 to 2010? What yeah. happened there? That's like what I want to see if you go big. All right, so yeah, if you move down here on this list. 
Perfect Day. Yeah, that's the that's all the 2014 stuff. Okay, so yeah, okay, so Dark World. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Savages, right? Yeah. Wolfman. Oh yeah, he's in Che, right? Wolfman's like one of the worst things ever. Yeah, things are lost in the fire. Sin City. Oh yeah, he's in Sin City. Oh, and he's great in Sin City. Twenty one grand. The Hunted is fantastic. The Pledge is that the one with uh, Nicholson? Oh, he just didn't work that much. Honestly, yeah, they're really not that bad in movies. He just didn't work that much. If you look, I think it's because he, he for those of you guys that haven't heard, I mean, he <laughs> likes to drink. He looks like honestly in here he he was taking like right there years off between movies. It's where he right was, there when he did the Wolfman because I heard that he was unbearable on set and they had to recut and everything. And then Savages is like whatever. It's like twenty eleven, twenty twelve, something like that. So he really only takes like a five six year hiatus. Yeah, he's just where he, he's still working, but just not doing much. He just could have been. He could have had this moment, like where he's having all this craziness, all these big roles. He could have kind of done this. I think like seven eight years but ago. The fact that like. We're like, oh, yeah, Sin City. We covered that on the show three weeks ago, and we were like, oh, yeah, Sin City. And then the fact that I'm like, oh, yeah, Snatch. Yeah, right. And I, I worshipped yeah. that movie as a kid. So, fuck. <laughs> I'm gonna, I, I am going to stick to properly sieged. Yeah, and I'll go, I'll go slightly on the I'll – I'll give them under sieged. Okay. Slightly. Slightly. Uh, so moving into uh, production development, this is this is kind of an exciting one for us. Just yeah. Just you and I are both so passionate about these two people. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Taylor Sheridan is a guy who, as we've now mentioned a few times, you know, he was, a, he was an actor and a writer uh, who wrote a few scripts. And the initial script that he wrote was um, actually the sequel uh so so he or, wait, wait, Sheridan wrote Comancheria after Sicario. Comancheria sold first, but was stuck in development for quite a few years, appearing on the blacklist in 2012. It was later retitled Hell or High Water. That's what it was. Yeah. So he that, this whole fascination with these three scripts and Wind River, they were all in development, and he sold all of them. He kept Wind River and directed that one himself. But in succession, Sicario came out in 2015, uh, Wind River came out in 2017, and Hell or High Water came out in between in 2016. So his three scripts, one, two, and three. You know what he's doing next that I'm just like, I can't even wait? Sicario 2. <laughs> no, no. The Paramount Network um, bought Yellowstone, which is like the Kevin Costner TV series. It looks basically like True Detective with Kevin Costner. And Taylor Sheridan's writing it? Yeah. That's, that is phenomenal. It's about... It's is like, Henry Cavill his son? It's, uh, no. <laughs> I think it's... It might have already dropped, honestly. I think the first episode might be out. I like, haven't watched it yet, but what's, that's like What's something. it called again? Yellowstone. Yellowstone. All right, I want to check that I'm, out. I'm like super, seen... super excited about it. So you and I talked about this in the car, It's and, and I know I, do, I just keep going, but there's so many things. Out of those three, you put Sicario at the bottom. I think it's the... Yeah, I think it's... I mean, I... I, I okay. You need to revisit Hell or High Water. I've seen Wind River twice. Yep. I've seen Sicario twice. I've seen Hell or High Water once, and it was at the premiere, and I was all... You guys, so I've yes. said this on the show before, but like a thing that happens to me sometimes, guys, and it's it's a little better now because I don't work as many premieres as I used to, but like... If you do the premiere and go into the screening right after you do the red carpet, you're usually just like hyped and yeah. like your brain's been scattered because you're looking on the carpet. Who am I going to interview? So you go and you try to sit down and you try to turn your brain off to focus on the movie. And I've actually found a lot of the time that when I do that, I have a harder time focusing on the movie. It takes me about 25 minutes to like fully like calm down and focus. And I saw Hell or High Water and I probably missed the first five minutes of it. And it was at the premiere, so I just that movie's a little looser in my mind. Yeah, I remember that one the least, and for me, it's actually at the bottom. Um, and I put Wind River, I think, at the top. Wind River is definitely my favorite of the three. Yeah. I really, really love Wind River yeah. a lot. I thought that movie was so good. Uh, got Chris Stuckman in the chat saying hello. Hey, what's up, Stuckman? What's up, brother? How you doing? Uh, <clears throat> so, moving on to Denis Villeneuve, yeah. who is arguably one of our both of our. I mean, I would say I would say Denis Villeneuve. If you were gonna, if you were gonna ask, like, if Stuckman's in the chat or anybody like uh, of that caliber, people who are like doing content, watching everything, critics, 
if you were to ask every critic we know who is the best, like the hottest director working right now, I think nine out of ten say Denis Villeneuve. I think he's pretty much the he's the cream of the crop right now. Yeah, I I find that pretty hard to argue with. I yeah. think anyone and everyone wants to work with this guy. He's incredibly talented. He's shown that he can do different things. He doesn't just do Blade Runner twenty forty nine. He also does Prisoners. He also does Sicario. He also does you know. Arrival. It's interesting that though too. So his his run as an indie filmmaker starts making Spanish films back in 1998. Mm-hmm. He made it's like an indie in 98, another one in 2000. Films into the mid 2000s. He takes some time off a short, and then he starts to break through in the states. I think in 2011, he makes a movie called Incendies, which I haven't seen. Yeah, 20, I need, we we really need to see Incendies and Enemies, or I mean Incendies and uh, Enemy, Enemy. Yeah, Incendies is the one that like that's in the top 250. It's like number 160. People talk about it a lot. Um, but then he makes Enemy and Prisoners the same year in 2013. And Enemy is not regarded as a great movie, but it also right. stars Gyllenhaal. Um, but Prisoners, obviously, is now like an underrated classic. That's in 2013. Then 2015, this movie. 2016, Arrival. 2017, Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. And now he's working on three films. He's working on Dune. He's working on a, uh, a remake of Cleopatra. Which, like, when you hear Dune, I'm like, ugh. But then I hear Denis Villeneuve, Denis Villeneuve is going to do Dune. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you feel about it, huh? That's how I feel about <laughs> it. That's cool. Uh, Good for you. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Anyway, that'll do it for me today. I'm just going to step out. Um, so, yeah, Villeneuve, is, he's, just, he's just that guy. He's French-Canadian. Uh, you know, he's, he has won the Canadian Screen Award for Best Direction four times. Um, he's just... He will win Best Director hundred percent within the next five years I yeah bet. he's like yeah so so this begs the question you know you and i started a conversation last night about this yeah when you talk about the best working director right yeah and this is a question that was asked in the ama questions uh, you know paul denuso I don't know if you guys we salute you yes we, we salute, salute you general. general uh he asked the question where do you rank villeneuve in respect to the current working directors so because this conversation's so hard as we've covered nolan movies we've covered what we had to say was it becomes just like an art. It's just like I want to yell at you about why I think Spielberg is, and you want to yell at me why you think Martin Scorsese is. Maybe so it's a generational thing for us. So we looked at all of the directors that are on that all-time list, and we decided we're going to make the cutoff sixty and younger mm-hmm. because it surprised both of us that Villeneuve and most of these guys are over fifty. Yep, they all seem like they're in their like early forties to yeah, me for sure. But they're so the the rule is under sixty, and we both made a top five. Did you rank yours? I didn't put them in order. Did you? I ranked my five. I don't know if I can. I, I, I can start with my five. Do you have you an want. honorable mention or no? Yeah, I have two. Uh, who are your two honorable mentions? My honorable mentions are Jeff Nichols. <laughs> so that's the guy that directed Mud, Midnight Special. Yeah. He's like a super quietly killing it right now director who he's kind of like Scott Cooper, but I like him a lot more than Scott Cooper because I think his movies are a lot more unique. Right. Uh, he's just doing really great stuff. Jack, Jeff Nichols is one of those guys that if he's got a movie coming out, go see it. Um, the other one that I wrote down is Edgar Wright. I think he deserves an honorable mention because even though he's worked primarily in a genre that doesn't lend itself as much to being recognized for like great filmmaking, Baby Driver is a masterpiece. And Fuck. he's he's great, but he didn't make my top five. So yeah, I love him. Those uh, are my two honorable my mentions. My two honorable mentions are Ryan Johnson. Yeah. Of course, you guys know how much I love him. I love Ryan Johnson. I love Looper so much. For the uh, record, we both love Last Jedi in case it's like yeah, your first I, time watching really listening. like lo- uh, The Last Jedi. Um, and my other one's Ben Affleck. Because I was going back and I was yeah. thinking about what Affleck had done. I was like, Man, I love the town. I really like Argo. Yeah, you know, Gone I, Baby I, Gone. I, yeah, Gone Baby Gone. I like more than you know, uh, Gone Girl, which we live uh, <laughs> live by live by night. <laughs> One of my favorites. 
All right, I think I put them in order, and it's so crazy. It's a hard to order. Me. Are you ready to go to countdown? We'll take yeah, turns. Who's your number five? My number five is Alejandro Gonzalez Inaritu. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the you guys. He's one best director really? in twenty. But is it? But you you were like whatever about the Revenant. I think The Revenant's totally good. I think that movie is like not something I'd want to watch again. I think it's a little overrated, mm-hmm. but that's not his only movie. I still I mean, think Swaron's better. The, I mean, Swaron's he's amazing. Yeah, no, but no, no, like, no, no, no. Revenant, Birdman, and then you start to go back to his older movies, and it's like Twenty One Grams and Amoros Peros, and like those movies are unbelievable. He's yeah, oh yeah. Are you gonna say something? Are you gonna say something? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, he's he's amazing. Uh, I just think that what he's capable of doing and what he's done as a director is like pretty unbelievable he just i mean everything he does is like unique and dark and fascinating and interesting so can i ask you about this this list do you want me to say his name again (laughs) i want you to say all the movies that he's directed in spanish um does what decides this list i think and i'm gonna just throw this out to the audience as well i think in making this list yeah the way that you truly decide it is if this person and these movies didn't exist what would kill you the most does that make sense? Yeah, of course. If you never saw any of these movies. If this they, movie did not yeah. exist, but you knew of it. Okay. So, like, let's say yeah. Gladiator came out, and then it was taken away from me. Yeah. And I could never have it again. Like, that type of thing. Yeah, that's fair. So, God, that makes making this list so hard. <laughs> it's impossible. And, so guys, it, this is a fun one for you guys in the chat. Uh, if you, you want to leave your thoughts in the chat, or if you want us to 100% be able to see it and respond to it, either leave it in the comments after the video is done, post it in the Facebook, or tweet at us. If you want to tweet at us, that's a fun way to do it. Oh, my God, dude. I can't. Okay, so I think I just got to shut up and just do this. So number I think five. at number five, I'm going to put Mr. Danny Boyle. Yeah, he didn't make my I love Danny Boyle. You know I love Danny Boyle. Like, like, going back and looking, list. like, the beach is like his, <laughs> that's like one of the his worst magnus movies he's opus. done. <laughs> his magnus opus. You got train spotting. Yeah. You got. Uh, 28 <laughs> Days Later, Steve 28 days Jobs. Later, yeah, Steve Jobs, Slumdog Millionaire, Sunshine. Like, <sighs> those movies are incredible. Yeah, he's amazing. So I got to put him. Fuck. At number, number five. five. Yep. My number four is Catherine Bigelow. She, from Point Break, Just from Point Break to, to Near Point Dark, Break to Zero Dark Thirty to to The Hurt Locker. I mean, she is an unbelievable. Even even Detroit, which was difficult to watch, it was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, if you're asking me, the one that would kill me the most, it's her because she directed Point Break, and it's yeah, my favorite movie ever made. But for sure, more than that, it's just I think that her the variety of movies she's made for so many years, and she's been so proficient, and she's also changed genres a little bit. She's gotten better. I think she's an unbelievable director. So she, for me, she's number four. This is the hardest. Like that's why I went back and forth with you so many times on the phone this morning. I was like, I want to just do three. Uh, is Bigelow actually under 60? I want to check that. I, I wasn't sure. I, I actually looked her up thinking that you might use her, and I was going to look up her age, but I was like, there's no way he's going to put her on her list. Because yeah. you didn't really like, I didn't think you liked Zero Dark Thirty and Hurt Locker that much. Love those. I mean, Zero Dark Thirty next to Point Break is my favorite. Okay, so at me, number four is David Fincher. Oh, I think, I don't think I can use her. She, 1951. Yeah, she's, she's too old. She's too old. Yeah. Okay, Stri- stricken from the record, so I got to I got Danny Boyle. No, I don't think uh, I don't think I'm going to do that. Go ahead, keep talking. Uh, Fincher. I mean, oh, Fincher's your number four. Fincher's my number four. Wow, that's and I low. think this strictly goes with how excited I am about the next movie he's going to do. Yeah. If I could live without Fight Club. Yep. And how much these other movies mean to me from these other directors. Putting David Fincher at number four is incredibly hard and I actually like Danny Boyle more than David Fincher yeah but David Fincher's a better director so 
I'll save my thoughts on Fincher because spoiler alert, he's on my list. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm I know recently where he lasts. completely obsessed with David yes, Fincher. Yes, you are. What's your number four? Three. Uh, actually, it's going to be my number five because I have to get rid of Bigelow, so okay. I can't use her. So my number five is Paul Thomas Anderson. I and which, I, which is funny because he actually almost was my number five. He just only missed my list in terms of ranking because I think that the problem with him is that he peaked in the first half of his career so yep. completely, and the back half of his career in my opinion, has been so much less exciting. Like, The Master, I like a lot, but I also think it's, like, just a kind of... Like, it's a slow movie. It's not as satisfying. I never saw Inherent Vice, but I've heard it's damn near unwatchable. Um, I I liked Phantom Thread a lot, but it I is, don't... It is very close to unwatchable. Yeah, I don't think Phantom Thread is, like, a masterpiece. I think it was a little yeah. overrated. I love him. He's my single favorite director of so all time. So, Paul Thomas Anderson is my number three. Okay. And for me... He's like my favorite all time too. We always say this. We're like Danny Boyle and Paul Thomas Anderson are our two favorite directors of all time. Yeah. But it's it's tough when you look at their catalog and and now while I agree he peaked in high school, I don't think that he can't do it in his professional no. career as well. Like I agree. in the sense that like he actually wrote his first script when he was 18 and he started writing Boogie Nights when he was 18. I think he's the youngest director on this list as well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he is as well. And like I I think that he can still come back and win a best director maybe in his 50s, maybe in his four, like late yeah. 40s. I think that the guy's potential is still so high that I put him above those other two guys. Um, it's crazy but that Tarantino's be- not on either of <clears throat> list. Yeah. It's because of just Boogie Nights. Yeah. Like, if he only did Boogie Nights, he might just be number one on my list. Don't don't underrate Magnolia. Right, but I'm, what I'm saying, though, is yeah, if, sure. if he had only done just those two movies, then yeah. he would be, like, probably much higher on the list. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think, and There Will Be Blood's amazing, but, like... Yeah. Oh, actually, fuck, I love There Will Be Blood. <laughs> yeah. I love There Will Be Blood. Yeah, I like it much more than Magnolia, actually. Yeah. Uh, what's your number two, then? So, or, no, I guess your so three. five, my four, so my three Can is... Can you just give us your five, four, and three again? My five is Paul Thomas Anderson. My yep. four is Alejandro Gonzalez and Arito. Perfect. And my three is Denis Villeneuve. Okay. So that's where I put three. I just, I look at what he's done and I'm so blown away by it. It's so impressive to me. Yeah. He's not the top two because he only has done like a few movies and those movies have been great, but like he also has only been making American movies that we've watched for five years, which is prolific. But as we've seen from these great directors, you can have a prolific run and then you can fall off a little bit. I also think Sicario is really good. But I think Sicario's a little overrated. Like it's, I think this movie's great, but it's not like a masterpiece by any means. Right. So he's got basically at that point Arrival, Prisoners, and Twenty Forty Nine, and those are all great movies. And I haven't seen Incendies, which maybe if I had, he'd be higher. But he's my number three. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, yeah. God, this is so hard because my one and two are are your one and two. No, you got to be. I, Maybe wait, because my five is uh, Boyle, four yeah. is Fincher, three is Anderson. Yeah. So my number two is gonna be Christopher Nolan. That's your number two. I think he is. I think Who? I think Christopher Nolan is my number two, and the reason for that is <clears throat> I feel like he's losing sight quite of like what made Begins and The Prestige and The Dark Knight and Inception so great when yeah. I go and watch Interstellar and I go and watch Dunkirk. Yeah. Now, I know they're different movies, and, you know, Insomnia's in there and Following's in there. and I mean, his his filmography is almost perfect. Yeah. But I don't get as excited about his movies as I used to. Yeah, I get that. I get that. And And, like, now when a Christopher Nolan movie comes out, it's not even because he's made many missteps. It's just because it's, like... I want to see you do something like Inception again. Yeah. And, like, while Dunkirk was incredibly brilliant, I would have believed a bunch of other directors could have done that. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
And like Spielberg at his prime, Spielberg in '98 doing Saving Private Ryan is better than, than Dunkirk will ever be so in no 2017. Also, my number two. Yeah, I know. Yeah, um, and then your number one and my number one are are both on the same list because no, yeah, you said you know what my number one is because I haven't yeah, said it's Fincher and mine's yeah. Venu. Yeah, Denis Villeneuve is my number one. You think he's the actual single best working filmmaker today? I am more excited about anything that he does. Yeah. than anyone else on this list. The way that he does his movies, the movies that he's done in the in the, because in the last week I've watched, or in the last two weeks I've watched Prisoners, Arrival, and Sicario. Yeah. And I watched Blade Runner. Blade Runner was my favorite movie of last year. Yeah. And like the ability to do what he did with Blade Runner, which was a franchise I didn't even care that much about. Yeah. And it made me fall in love with the original again. Yeah. Like, all of these things. I just have to go. Denis at number one, Nolan at two, Anderson at three, Fincher at four, yeah. and Boyle at five. I was so close to putting Nolan at one. So I know, close. Same. That's the same. I put him at two, <clears throat> and I'll I'll explain exactly why. And it's it's a combination of what you said, which is that I think I love parts of Interstellar, <laughs> and I love some of Dunkirk. I really like Dunkirk, and I love a lot of Dark Knight Rises. All three of those movies. They, I feel like all three of those movies are are. Good to great, none of them are like a masterpiece. Right. And that's his that's his last seven years of movies. So like his ability to come out with a movie next year that would blow my mind and me and my genre again, totally there. But yeah. it's been seven years. Yep. Eight, eight years. Yep. Okay. Fincher, on the other hand. <laughs> and and for the record, I some of you guys who follow Nerds and Suits. For the record, suits, I would sleep with Fincher if I could. <laughs> if you guys follow Nerds and Suits, you know I've been doing I've I've been going back and rewatching every Fincher movie. So I've now gone back through eight of them. The only two that I haven't gone back to, to yet are Alien Three and the game. Um, but I've watched all the other eight. And what I have found is David Fincher's recent career, I like more than his early career. Which Actually, is like a travesty because so many people are like, but Seven? And but Fight, Fight Club? Club? Right. Yeah. People are always like, Seven and Fight Club, he'll never be as good as that. And I'm telling you, I even just watched The Curious Case of Benjamin Button again. Oh, I did. I watched the first half of it. <laughs> I, it's the, that's not the, not the best half. The no, I know. I know. I wanted to wait to get into the good yeah. part. And I, uh, I honestly, that's 2008, Zodiac 07, but Social Network is his best movie. That's 2010. Same thing with, same thing with Nolan. They have their best movie the same year in 2010. But then his movies after, Dragon Tattoo is really good. I love Dragon Tattoo. And Gone Girl is criminally underrated. That movie's so good. It's almost as good as Gone Baby Gone. <laughs> so I think that David Fincher is the best working filmmaker today. Uh, it's Maybe Villeneuve should be higher for me, but I look at Fincher's career and I'm like, wow. You made arguably your two best movies in the first eight years of your directing career. And you've made what I think are arguably... I think you've made your best movie later in your career, but I think he's still just knocking out of the park. I think you could argue that Gone Girls is like third best movie. You could totally make that argument if you wanted to. Yeah, I could see that. Um, it's funny because almost every single person has uh, Villeneuve, Nolan, Fincher, and Boyle on their list. Yeah, right. Uh, we obviously the Tarantino lovers out there. Damien Chazelle is, is on there as incredible. well. Yeah, yeah, he's good. The uh, only reason he hasn't done enough. Though. The only reason Boyle didn't make my list in the end is when I thought about Daniel Boyle. Oh, I was and obviously like, Guillermo. Yeah. I'm not a love Guillermo. He's not my favorite. Ryan Coogler. Yeah. Oh, Coogler's great. Yeah. Um, the big issue for me with, with Boyle is that though I like Boyle's best movies, even his best movies to me usually feel like I'm championing something that's underrated. There's always like a feeling with his movies that like he's only got one or two blue chip movies and all the rest of them are like trying to convince people why Sunshine's so good. And it's like... <clears throat> It's always a little bit like he makes really above average movies, but he also makes some really shitty movies. Like Trance is not good. That movie yeah. sucked. Yeah. Like he he's made well, a couple th of those. That's why 
in making the list of the greatest directors of all time, you have to look at their entire filmography because, like, you know, when we were doing that segment we did a couple weeks ago, the What Were You Thinking, Man? Yeah. It's really hard to put the greatest directors in there. It's hard to throw Scorsese and Spielberg and Nolan and uh, even Kubrick. Like, yeah. It's really hard to pick a movie where you're like, it doesn't make sense. Whereas, like, you look at Boyle and Anderson and you're kind of like, huh. Yeah, Fincher, it's like, Fincher, it's like Panic Room. Huh. Yeah, All but right. then... And, and, you know, he was young, yeah. new in his career. Anyway, so uh, we've, we're running really short on time. Uh, but we wanted to have that conversation. Yeah, so that's a very our... important conversation to have, and it was very enjoyable. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, where does Sicario rank among revenge movies? Asked from Ross Elliott on Facebook. My favorite revenge movie of all time is the original Old Boy. Ben, what is yours? I know we did this on I know, the show. I know point. we did. That's why I'm just going to do this. And I can't remember now. I really like John Wick, I remember. There was mm-hmm. there was a weird choice that's like... Unforgiven? Maybe. Yeah, that I sounds that right. that was what yours was. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Unforgiven's a freaking... And Gladiator's a revenge movie, oh, too. Gladiator. Gladiator's amazing. Uh, moving on over... Uh, yeah, I mean, do you want to do this, the three categories? I think we should... Let's just breeze through financial really quickly. Oh, shoot. Yeah, yeah I yeah. forgot we totally skipped that. Yeah, so um, this movie was produced by Lionsgate and distributed by them. It cost $30 million to make, <clears throat> and it was released in September on the 18th of 2015. It grossed $46 million domestic for an additional $37 million foreign for a grand total worldwide of $84 million, which was <clears throat> deemed a massive success for yeah. them. They did not expect it to make that much money. It had a soft release, I think, in like April or something, yeah, like, something crazy like that, like that. Yeah. and then it, it opened wide like I said in September, and it was third place. It was at twelve million dollars. It was behind The Martian in its first week at fifty-four million dollars, which is like. I, I, sometimes I really underestimate the superstar power of Matt Damon. Yeah, and then the second one, Hotel Transylvania two at thirty-three million, just destroying it. Do you know who plays the voice, the main voice of uh, was Dracula in that movie? Yeah, Sandler. Yeah, okay, sweet. yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> duh, it's my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> uh, IMDb gives it a seven point six, which I actually think is kind of low for this movie. That's about right to me. And uh, all critics on Rotten Tomatoes give it a 93. Top yeah. give it a 93, and the audience gives it an 84. That's I, so curious. I see it more as like an 84. I think you can't watch this movie and give it a below average rating, which is, I think, why it gets such high numbers. Uh-huh. If I watch this movie, even if I was like a little underwhelmed by parts of it, I'm not going to give it a, a rotten. There's no way. I, of course this movie's fresh. This is like quietly one of the most like... It's like sort of one of the most like overrated, like really good movies I've ever watched. It's like there's no part of me that's like this... There's parts of this movie that are bad. There aren't. It's right. just a little bit. It's just a little bit like forgettable in a lot of ways to me. That's I don't know. That's that's like my yeah. b- biggest knock against it. So 84 is like a little high. It's like 80 for me. All right. Uh, what about the three categories, man? Does it? Well, I think we have one last thing left to do. I want to just knock out really quickly because a favorite line. Oh, and there's sh- sweet Jesus. favorite I can't lines. believe I just skipped that. All yeah. right, sorry. Um, so we are going to talk about favorite line in this film really quickly uh, before we do the pitch. And I want to say this really quick because I know it's not yours, but one of our both of our favorites was, you're asking me how a watch works. For now, let's just keep our eye on the time. Yes. That's a really good one. Yeah, really that's, interesting that's one. a high on the list one for me. Mm-hmm. I, I really, really love that uh, that line. Benicio is just so cool. I, I was going to use the... Uh, I was going to use the Brolin line that I told you about. Oh, I thought you were I wasn't asking to. you. Well, I use it as my fist bump. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to ask you, and he's like, uh, yet, and yet I answered. And yet I answered. Um, it's pretty great. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's like, nah, you know what? Just because we're running short on time, I'll use the combination of those two as my favorites. Because uh-huh. that was the other one that I wrote down. There was a couple other super, super sweet ones. Uh, I also love when Benicio's sitting at the table at the end, and he says, every night you, kill, you send men to kill families, and here you dine with yours. Yep. 
Yep. Or and here you dine. Yeah. Yeah, and here you dine. That's a pretty sweet one. Uh <laughs> Welcome to Juarez is one of my favorites. Yeah. And then uh I think it was the other oh, it was the other one. It's another brawling line. What do you what do you keep looking <laughs> at me for? No hablo inglés, remember? After he starts getting yeah, like Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also love that Benicio just like it doesn't ever show him torturing him at all. It just yeah. shows him walk up to him and pretty much just stick his dick in his face. In his face, yeah. And it's just like Again, brilliant directing and writing. Yeah, right. Exactly. Just, just like try to just denigrate the guy. Yeah. Um, all right, that's going to do that for us. So we are going to get into the three action movie categories, which feels a little unnecessary, but I think it's important to run through them. Yep. There are three action movie categories: totally ridiculous, totally legitimate, and ridiculously legitimate. Uh, totally legit movies are like you know, Lone Survivor or Gladiator. Or um, this. Yeah, or this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ridiculous, totally ridiculous. That's a Con Air face-off demolition man, and ridiculous legit's the middle category where you kind of laugh a little bit unintentionally but it's really awesome in one way or another so point break predator john wick um i think that this movie has to just be totally legit i can't see a world where it's not right yeah it's totally legitimate um the only thing that i do want to say really quickly is this movie was released in 2015 and the mayor was very unhappy because as of his election in 2010 he said that juarez had drastically changed so the depiction of this movie was negatively received by some people in that community uh i just want to throw that out there because it just needed to be said. Yep. Uh, the other line that's really sweet is, you are not a wolf, and this is the land of wolves And this is the land of wolves now. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, so uh, we have one more thing, Ben. Yeah, we have something called The Pitch. Uh, all right. So I think the deal with The Pitch is we have a couple options. Well, we're going to Rampage in like three hours. Yeah, we have a we have a press screening of Rampage at 7. So <laughs> That probably won't happen. Yeah, probably not going to be good. Um, we'll see. Uh, if not Rampage, there's a bunch of stuff now on the horizon. We're like entering summer season, so... We're around the corner from Infinity War and Han Solo. Soldado. Yeah, there's just a ton of movies coming up over the next eight weeks. So so many. Probably a lot of new releases. We have some, I think at least one general that we haven't done their movie yet. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if we have a general. I know Denuso did it again, and I believe. And then uh, we have a new Commodore, so we have to get that call in for, which I'm assuming yeah. if it's in the next month or a few weeks, it's probably going to be for Infinity Wars. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so so uh, go check that out. Check out the Patreon on guys brand new content coming out there every single week we've got stuff coming out today um but i think probably it's either going to be rampage or it's going to be a poll so just pay mm-hmm. attention go to the facebook check us out on twitter you can find the twitter at ama podcast you can find me at ben bateman media and you can find me at andrew guy and uh, that's going to pretty much wrap us up for the day thank you guys so much for listening thanks for watching marissa in the booth thank you for everything you do bye thank you gentlemen From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.